That's okay. <laughs> okay. Um. But yeah, like everyone, like oh, the TikTok though it was like this guy. It was like looks like an unpopular opinion that you have, and it's like people that record themselves doing good deeds, like giving some people money. Like you're not a good person if you need that validation. And like I've always felt that way. That I'm like, yeah, that's performative. Yeah. And especially like, you know, you see these like YouTuber goes and gives a hundred dollars to homeless man, and it's like, yo, like that's really gross. It's so like I have the word on the tip of my tongue, I can't think of it, but like oh, it's like dehumanizing. You know, it's a prop in your your video. Right. This is all a prop to make you feel better. And like this person like commented on it and was like, I don't think that's true at all. Like, you know, I think it's just they want to share their good deeds. And it's just like my parents taught me to take care of my fellow man. They didn't record it to like teach me this lesson like they taught me it like did it around me like would take care of homeless people like my parents like used to drive our local homeless man around and like brought him like a burner phone so they can call like whenever he needed something or like he was the nicest man in the entire world like we loved bernie that's so beautiful <laughs> yeah and, like even like my dad like i've seen my dad give homeless men like hundred dollar bills before because he's just like what am i gonna spend this on like, that $100 is going to change this person's month, potentially. You know, like, this person will get somewhere to sleep or, like, whatever. Like, you know, like, I don't need this money. And, like, that's how he taught me to be. And, like, that's how I was. When I first moved to the city, I was like, cool, like, my dad's giving me money. Like, you know, I had, like, an allowance or whatever. Like, I was 18. And so, like, I would, like, see homeless people at, like, the subway. And I'd give them, like, 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. And, like, I got into, like, fights with people. They'd be like, what are you doing? And I'm like... Like, what am I going to spend this on? Like, realistically, what the fuck am I going to spend this on? But then people give you the argument, like, oh, they're just going to buy drugs. And I'm like, I I don't care. How do you know that? Uh, One, right, how do you know that? How do you know that? Also, I'm going to, what, I'm just going to let this I'm also going to buy drugs with it. Right, yeah, actually, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's an excellent (laughs) argument. I'm also going to buy drugs with money, probably. You know what's, I I actually... I've never told this story to anyone except Christian because I don't... Right, because it's like, you don't have to... Well, there's, like, ways... So, like, I have this, like, feeling like we're all supposed to teach each other things. So I understand where that person might might be coming from. But, like, you're not... Okay, you might think you're trying to teach people you should give people, you should give homeless people money, right? Maybe that's what they are thinking, but, like, that's kind of a gross way to do it. Yeah. So, like, one time I was coming home. Oh, I dropped off a plant to this woman who bought, like, a plant for me in Newark. And I'm, like, driving home. And I'm stopped at a light, and there's a homeless man. And he comes to my window. And my, I happen, I never have cash. Mm -hmm. I have a hundred dollars cash like a hundred dollar dollar bill and this man's like talking to me his name is al and he's like telling me a story and like i'm like this is all i have but i hope this helps you and like i gave him the hundred and like he it's not like for the react right he was like so grateful and like I was like, oh my god. Right? That feeling you get, I guess. It's a wonderful feeling. Which maybe that's a weird... I literally sobbed as soon as I drove away and I called Christian and I was like, I feel so weird. Like, I have never... And I don't know why I felt weird. Like, I felt like... Because I told my dad about it and he was like, why did you do that? And then he's like, oh, maybe I should do that. But it was this conflicting thing of, like, people telling you don't do this thing. And then, like, no, I feel like that was the best thing I ever did. And I had this really beautiful moment with this person. And, like, to just acknowledge... The gratitude. Not, like... Just, like, talk to somebody. Yeah. Like, I don't like that people don't even look at... where We don't even want to look at homeless people. That's my biggest red flag of people is how do you treat the homeless yeah like if you dehumanize the homeless that is 
the biggest turnoff for me in people um because like like that's just how I was raised that it's like talk to them like that's the most important thing is just make them feel like a human being because they are they are and it's just like and I I have fought with people and I'm like why are you treating this person as if they don't exist and like like one of my exes um who was a really wonderful human being he was um what's it called he was fluent in ASL and we were on the subway and like typically in the subways like I've seen people I've seen many people like this where they're deaf and they're panhandling and stuff so they give out little cards that are like hi I'm deaf mm-hmm. um if you can donate any money like or just a smile like something like that mm-hmm. and it's like obviously you're hoping it's not a scam because it is a really beautiful thing um for the situation that they're in it's very beautiful and like he he knew sign language so he was able to communicate with this person and like to see the reaction that this person had that this is probably like one out of like five people this week that can communicate with them in their language but like also that are just humanizing them you know like not only are you disabled you're homeless and like you know i think people like especially when it comes to asl i it makes me so sad because it's something i'm like i want to teach myself asl i think it's so important because like i get this like feeling of guilt especially when i like you sort of retail and people would come in and they were deaf and they would try to sign to me and i'm like i'm so sorry like i don't understand and it's like that's such a shitty feeling because it's like people like i feel like that's such a disability that's like so dehumanizing because we don't no even one, acknowledge it they, like the fact that people don't even consider it a language yeah that are like oh i took sign language once and it's like but do you understand like the weight of understanding like asl like not many people do and it's very important and like it's something that i'm like i want to teach myself so bad because it's just like after that one like occurrence in the train i was like damn like that was one of the most beautiful moments like i've ever been a part of helping people you know just seeing this person smile and like you know like i can give him money too like i can you know i can help him by giving him some money but the fact that this person was able to feel like a human being for two seconds they were heard finally you know and it's just like it's so heartbreaking and like i like that's the one thing i love about eric is that like we are on the same exact plane with this like to the point it's actually like a really like really funny his little apartment was looking really bad it was like a it was in the heart of williamsburg but where he was he was in, like a really bad block for some reason and for some reason all of the drug dealers would give his apartment number for like pickups and stuff and like they didn't even live in the neighborhood but that's where they would all do their deals were on his stoop damn it was like really bizarre like it was very like unnerving and that was one of the reasons why we all like left the building um but he had this like homeless couple that lived outside of his building sometimes. And like, I remember the first time I ever went there, there was like this dog that was like beautiful. And I was like, whose dog is this? Just like tied up outside, like it's so weird. Or it wasn't even tied up, it was just sitting there. And I was like, it's so weird. Like if no one comes for this dog in like 10 minutes, like I'm taking this dog in. Mm-hmm. And then it wound up being this homeless couple who would live there. And they were always there. They were always there with the dogs. And Eric, is so giving with the homeless like his biggest thing too is that he wants to make sure they have food and like on production he has forced production companies that opposed to throwing out all of the catering that all goes to waste which is so many like yeah hundreds of meals they throw it all away and it's like well why wouldn't you donate it so he'll take home all the meals and we go to like the community fridges and we fill them and stuff and like he's been doing that for as long as i've known him Mm -hmm. and i think that's like beautiful about him but, like, this homeless couple, like, he'd always bring them food and, like, whatever he could. And one day, I was going up to his apartment. And I see someone outside of his apartment, like, about his height, like, talking to somebody. And they were wearing a book bag of his. He played South by Southwest once. And so it was a very specific lime green book bag. And when you play South by Southwest, they give you these book bags, like all the artists get these book bags and they get like patches on them to say like your band name and like what year you played. So I saw this book bag and I was like, oh, like Derek. And it was like also wearing pants that like I bought from him. And I was just like, 
I like went up to him and I like, touched him on the shoulder and the guy turned around and it was the homeless guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, he robbed Eric. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he broke into the apartment and like robbed Eric. Aww. I was like, holy shit. And I was like freaking out now. So I like run into the apartment and I was like, Eric's like just sitting there and I was like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, why? And I was just like, I thought you were downstairs, but it was the homeless guy wearing all your clothes and stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, I gave him all my stuff. Mm. He was like, I'm never going to use that book bag, so he can have it. And like, he was like, I have other pants too. So like, he said he needed pants, so I gave him my pants. Mm. And I was just like, oh. So I was like, that's really nice of you. Yeah. I was just like, so confused though. But it was like really funny because Eric had such like a, he, he would give so much food to the homeless that I remember there was this one guy by the train that he would always give food to and he'd always say hi to and everything and like always talk to him. And one day we walked up to the guy and the guy was like, whatever you gave me the other day, don't ever give me that again. He was like, I hated it. He's like, don't you ever give me that again. Aww. And I was like, what the fuck did you give him? And he was like, it was hummus. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. like now we're getting picky. Yeah, like, yeah. And it was just like really funny that I was like, okay, like, guy hates hummus mm-hmm. like lesson Don't learned hummus, yeah. and like that's what eric does though is he becomes friends with like and i love that about him that he becomes like he genuinely becomes friends and like alex used to fight with him because it'd be like the winter and he's like i want to invite them inside and alex is like don't you bring any of those people into our apartment and he's like yeah but like it's just me home it's like don't you bring these homeless men into the apartment and i'm like I see the point, but, like, like I agree with you, but I agree with her. Right, like, yeah. You know, I understand. Like, you really want to do a good thing. And, like... It's very sweet. And, like, even around here, he's become friends with the homeless mm-hmm. people around. We don't have many around here, but there's this one guy. He has, like, really long dreadlocks, and he, like, always wears, like, really baggy clothes, and he's either down by the water where we took you. I think Eric might have pointed it out, but he's got, like, a little spot he sits in, and he feeds all the local stray cats, and he has, like, a computer chair he just sits in all day long, and, uh, or he's, like, by, like, a deli over here, and we always run into him, and, um, we always bring him, like, bottles of water in, like, the summertime, and, like, whatever he needs. He loves soda. He has, like, a soda addiction. He was just, like, just get me a Coke, and, like, <laughs> so we bring him, like, Coke and stuff, which, like, obviously, I'm, like, you need water. Yeah. Like, it's more important than Coke, but, like, if that's what you like, like, Okay. I get it. Yeah. And, like, one night we were going for a walk. I was, like, really stressed out after class. And, like, it was, like, right before I graduated. So I was, like, super stressed out. And Eric's like, let's just go for a walk. Like, let's get a couple beers. And, like, just, just walk. And, like, decompress a little bit. And we were walking. And we, like, ran into the guy. And the guy was, like, really funny. Because he was just, like, Eric was, like, talking to him. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? And the guy was like, oh, like, you're the Jewish guy. And I was like, what? I was like, Eric's not Jewish. And he's like, it's because I have a big nose. He thinks I'm Jewish. Aww. He's like, I just roll with it. <laughs> He's like, I don't have the heart to tell him I'm Jewish. Aww. And I was like, okay. So we were like talking to him for a second. And I forgot how we got into it. I think we were, t- I think he asked us like, are you guys like married? And we were like telling him like, we're going to get married. And we started like talking about our families. And then like, he started telling us his story. And it was just so like, I don't want to say humbling, obviously, but it's just, like, such a, like, a reality check. You know, like, I'm stressed out because, like, I'm in this design program and it's my second time in college that, like, it's a privilege for me to go to college in the first place in New York City. And, you know, I'm stressed out over this. And this guy is telling us his story that, I forget exactly which country he came over from, but I know he came over from Africa. I forget where exactly. But... He was saying that he had to flee his town or his country because there was like a massive genocide going on and he like crossed the desert by himself and like like hasn't talked to his family in like I forget how many years, like how many decades at this point. And then he was just like, I don't even know if my family's alive at this point. He was like, I don't know if it's just me left. And like, you know, he's like, I'm living my life here. And it's like, you have nothing, but like, you feel like a king because you're alive. And I'm like, that's so like, I don't want to say crazy, but like crazy, you know, like, it's like, damn, like, that's, that's life. Like, this is life that like, this person like had to run away from a genocide and I'm bitching about like a design program, you know, 
And I was just like, damn. It goes to show that the people who have the least actually have the mm-hmm. most. And I think, like, the most, like, my favorite part about this, like, I think the whole conversation we had with him was, like, Eric was just like, what is your name? And the guy was just like, oh, my name is this. And it's like, when was the last time anyone asked this man's name? And, like, that's what breaks my heart is that it's just, like, people don't even make eye contact with the homeless here. It's so, like, normal. And, like, even on, like, if I'm on the subway, if I don't have anything to give, I'm just, like, I'm really sorry. Like, I don't have anything. Mm -hmm. Like, acknowledge. Acknowledge. Just acknowledge their existence. Don't put your head onto your phone or, like, you know, if I have just, like, food or water, like, I'll offer people that. And, like, sometimes they're fucking mean about it. not going to lie. They're, like, no, I want your money. And I'm, like... I don't have anything but really starving I got some apples mm. and like water or whatever like I'll give you what I got but like okay <laughs> like, now I think you're bullshitting <laughs> but like just acknowledge them you know they're people too and it's like people don't realize like that could be you like how many people went homeless during the pandemic Yeah. Uh- people that didn't even like never thought would be homeless became homeless and it's just that easy like, even, like, all the shit happening in, like, the West Coast right now with the wildfires. Like, how many people get displaced from that that we don't talk about? Because, like, their homes were destroyed and they can't go anywhere. I thought about this, like, even the flooding that's been happening mm-hmm. That's here. a huge thing. Like, huge. people's house, houses got destroyed in yeah. my hometown. Like, yeah. our old apartment complex got f- destroyed. Like, no, it's crazy. You know it's funny? Today in school, I was reading about rights-based action. So it's about how, like, human rights, like, social workers are supposed to fight for human rights. Mm-hmm. But, like, social work is such a funny subject because every time I read everything, I'm like, everyone should know this. Right. Like, social work, everyone should be a social worker. quote unquote social worker. Yes, because it's just like, it's like the social worker's duty is to, literally what we're talking about, like, see people not as commodities, but as another human being. Like, and also not to treat them like, oh, I'm here to save you. Like, you're not saving anybody. Like, you just have certain resources that should be given to everyone that you're trying to help provide to everyone. And there's probably some shit you're about to learn from this other person too Mm -hmm. because you're not this high and mighty thing that knows everything and that these other people... And, like, that's an interesting thing. Like, when I first started going to the soup kitchen, that was, like, a weird thing I experienced was, like... Because when you're giving food to these people, like, they're, like... Like, one guy was, like, oh, thank God for volunteers. He was, like, thank God for you. And, like, you'd look you in the eye and, like, sincerely, like, thank God you exist because I don't know what I'd do without this food. And you're just, like... Wow, you feel amazing, right? You're like, right. whoa, I'm really doing something right now. But like, You're that's the bare a minimum. weird, yes. I'm really doing the bare minimum. That's a weird experience. And I think that's why I cried when they gave that man the money. Because I was like, I didn't do anything. Like, Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, and it's like, that's the thing when it's like, you know, going back to like socialism or like communism where it's like, you know, cool, like, you had $100. Realistically, what were you going to spend it on? Who knows? Shit. Shit. Yeah, you're going to buy yourself groceries, or it's going to go towards bills, or, like, whatever for you to I was going to have money to do that anyway. Exactly. So it's <laughs> like, you know, that's the beauty of socialism, is that, like, instead of hoarding the wealth, you distribute it. Do you really need $100? No, I'm not going to die without it, but this person might. So therefore, yeah, it might hurt my bank account like a little bit, but I'm going to make it back. This person doesn't know the next time they'll see $100. But this is the problem I'm having now because like, like, I love, I know I was supposed to be in school, 
because I think I have to help dismantle the whole thing <laughs> because it's like oh okay we have 17 goals that we're gonna get and uh, you know it's like end hunger no more poverty everyone has a house there's we're fighting for the environment we're fighting for what's underwater. We're fighting for what's on land. Everyone has basic human rights. It's like, okay, how are we going to... So, like, they're like, how are we going to get to this? So, we're writing about this yesterday, and I'm like... It cannot happen through the means that it's happening. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're like... Like, there was this... I don't know, they had this TED Talk, and the guy was like, okay, we basically did this study, and we found out that... Even by adding more money, all of these things ending is such a... I can't talk. I don't know how to talk because I didn't read about it too many times. I have to read about things a You're lot good. of times. Basically, like, we can't expect money to solve problems. Mm -hmm. They're not. We've been relying on them to solve problems. And I just keep going back to, like... I think it's the greatest book ever written, and I wish people would read it. Um, this is not... We'll never succeed in this kind of society. No. And we honestly... I guess I feel so sad because, like, this is what I talk to my friend Jared all the time about. He's like... Like, I'm like, we gotta go back to foraging society. He was like, how are we gonna do that now? What, what we're just gonna blow up all these buildings... And we're going to level everything. And we're going to start from the beginning. And there's billions of people. How are we going to have forging societies with, like, billions of people? And climate change, it's going to happen. So we might as well try to take control of we it should, somehow. <laughs> that's the crazy part is that, like... It's going to happen anyway. Yeah, thank you. That was a good point. It's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Like, New York City is not going to be here, I would say, in the next 40 years. Like... I would say the best course I've ever taken in any of my time in school was economics of the environment. And I remember I, had a, I took it accidentally because I had to take, like, a systems course or something. Like, mm -hmm. something. And I was like, I'm terrible in math. I am an illustrator. Why the fuck am I in an economics course right now? Like, I haven't taken a math class since I was in, like, 10th grade. Like, yeah. this isn't going to end well for me at all. And, like, the beautiful thing about, like... Parsons was that it was a school founded on communism it was a socialist based school nice. from the day they opened like that was actually like the, wow. the second coolest course I ever took I think they go hand in hand for me where I'm like I'm always like which one was better like I took so many amazing art classes but I'm like as an artist I feel super selfish because I'm like it's such a privilege to be an artist whether it's time it's tools it's resources it's education. It's all a fucking privilege. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's so selfish. Like, I'm not helping anyone. So that's why I'm like... I wanna, that's not true. That's why I want to do nonprofit work. And, like, also, like, you know, like, side thing where it's just like, yeah, like, I've had many people reach out to me. And they're like, your artwork's helped me so much. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, and that stuff's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, I feel like I should be doing a greater good in my life. And this is, like, a very big inner conflict I have all the time with myself. Where I'm like, I should have been a vet. I could have been a really great vet. Like could have helped so many animals or like you know I should have done like charity work or like whatever like I should have followed my gut and done like like I should have focused on the bigger picture opposed to what my dreams are I also I you can do everything no I know and it's just like it's just like so weird like I being, understand. it's such a weird like internal struggle to have like I feel like most artists don't look at it this way but, like, I feel that. Yeah, it's so, like... But I'm, like, not allowing myself to anymore because it cripples me. It, it's very crippling. It, like, for the crippling. longest time, I was like, I don't think I should do artwork anymore. And I should just focus on, like, going back to... Like, I was, like, considering going back to school. And I'm like, do I go back to school to, like, you know, maybe become a teacher so that I can pass on my knowledge to, like, kids that don't have the accessibility to the schools I went to. Or to the experience that, like, I've luckily mm -hmm. had through privilege or, like, whatever. And, like, you know, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do. Because, like, I hated school and, like, I hated art teachers. And, like, maybe I should be that teacher that, like, you know, 
teaches you the proper way right. and like just gives back but like that was the beautiful thing about Parsons was like you know I took a class that was on like the history of Parsons and they talked about how it was a socialist based school that like when the school was founded in 1919 um one of the board members was actually a woman but in 1919 women didn't have places on boards mm. you know and so her husband was like, oh, I'll say it's me. Okay. But, like, everyone else knew that it was her, obviously. But, like, the world was like, oh, this man's on the board. That's so cool. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was this woman all along. So, like, that was really cool. And then during, like, the Holocaust, um, they took in a bunch of scientists that were running from the Nazis. And they housed them and, you know, gave them somewhere to come as an asylum in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, really amazing. And then Albert Einstein actually wrote a letter to the school, like, thanking them for, like, saving his friends. Wow. And it's, like, you know, there's so many cool things that the school did. And, like, um, Martin Luther King spoke there. Malcolm X spoke there. Like, all these, like, really amazing things happened at this wow. institute. And I was like, damn, like, I'm so thankful to be a part of this. Yeah. And then when I took an economics course... I like it clicked in my brain where I was like oh it's socialist economics so the teacher I had she, wow. I wish I remembered her name she was the most wonderful human being I've ever been taught by she was from Switzerland and she was a world-renowned uh climate change uh writer and just like presenter like she would travel the world just giving talk like TED talks on climate change and so the whole course like you know we talked about economics but it was like how does this impact the climate mm-hmm. and what do we do and how do we go from here so it was like crazy that like i literally wrote i had to write a thesis paper at the end of the course my thesis paper was 20 pages talking about all these issues and like how capitalism is tying into climate change and like literally it was just like i summed up this 20 page paper that i wrote for like three months wow. just being like the only way to stop climate change is if we abolish capitalism yeah. and i got an a plus on this paper because it was like that's it because that's the reality of it that's it yeah there is no solving climate change while capitalism exists and like you know we had so many converse like the class was just so insane because it was like so depressing because like Mm. you know she would show us like okay this is what the world is going to be like you know the real like no one talks about the economical impact that climate change is truly going to have so it's like and I never thought of it like this. You know, I've been about climate change since I was like 10 years old. Yeah. And you never once think of it like this where it's like, you know, we think that the migration right now is a problem. You know, we're like, we have an immigrant crisis in America. You think this is bad? Give it five years. Give it 10 years. Give it 20 years. When everything beneath the border becomes so hot. It's uninhabitable. It's uninhabitable. There's no more agriculture there because their soil is useless. So now all your countries underneath the border are going to go north. North America, of course, is going to be fine. The U.S., of course, is going to be fine. You know, Texas is going to see whatever weird stuff. California, the hotter states are going to have whatever whatever impacts. And then the coastal cities. And so much food is grown. So much food is grown. And we're going to lose that entire economy. (laughs) right it's terrifying right and you don't even think of it like this wow so then it's like okay so countries like that and like already hot places are going to suffer and it's like places like africa they're already you know i don't want to say poverty stricken they have their cities and stuff like that but like for the most part how are those people going to survive they're not going to and then like places like russia and can like in canada these colder regions are going to warm up too so now you're opening possibilities for agriculture they've never had before. Wow. So it's so crazy to like think like this where you're like, wow, like the whole world will not be what it is now. The seas are rising. Like New York City is already preparing for it. Like our neighborhood was so rocked during Sandy. Like we are still recovering. Really? It's so bad and it's... It's so fucked up. Like, and it's also why I hate living here, like in this neighborhood specifically. It's because it's so divided. So like when my family immigrated over to here, to this neighborhood specifically, like my family came here in like the early 1900s and never left. Um, they came here from Italy and that was it. They all just stopped in this neighborhood. And um, 
it was all like Italian Americans and then there was a bunch of Irish and that was like where we were the other day like towards um like the spot where we went towards mm-hmm. that whole area like the brownstones that was all like Italian and then once you got over to the highway it was mostly all POC and it was very divided and it's always been very divided and that divide still stands today because it's like we are the very edge of it um like the very very edge of it so this is the rich side and then once you get to the other side which is considered red hook it is some of the worst public housing in the entire state and we've done so much work with them like one of our friends who ran for city council last year who's from red hook uh she's a native from there she started a mutual aid network eric actually was probably the first person to like get on board with her and they really Mm -hmm. built this network together which was amazing and like during the pandemic they were doing grocery deliveries to like elderly people and that's how it started and like i gave eric a lot of credit because like i was afraid of covid back then even though i had covid i was like oh i'm high risk because i have whatever and he had he's got the crohn's disease so he's also high risk and i'm like you shouldn't be out there like you know it's back in march or yeah march april you know when no one knew what was going on and i was like you're gonna get sick and like you're gonna die potentially and he was like oh like i have to do it and so we would go and like we'd pack groceries for people and then it grew and the whole network kept growing and growing and it was so eye-opening because it's like obviously i see this public housing all the time you know and like my parents were like you don't go there it's projects blah 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 and it's like it's crazy that it goes from brownstones here that are worth three million dollars to like six million dollars and then you just have some of the largest projects quote-unquote projects in this borough right there and like when we would do the food deliveries and then like you know turn to water deliveries last jan or last july it wound up the city was repairing pipes that were destroyed in sandy sandy was 2000 Whoa. sandy was 2012 i believe or something around there they were repairing pipes in the middle of july without any notice turned off the water on these people it wasn't the rich people around them we weren't affected which i'm sure their pipes were fixed immediately way before like yeah if we ever like we'll probably go over there because it is beautiful it's right in the water and there's so many beautiful docks and stuff but it's literally the public housing is here and then right across the street like it's just all gentrified houses that are worth millions of dollars and it's like the people in the gentrified homes weren't affected but the people that live in the public housing they had no water and they weren't notified and it's 95 degrees and you know these housing are so outdated already and it's like, you know, we collected, I forget how many gallons, I forget how many, like thousands of gallons of water that within 24 hours, we had people donating and people sending, like, you know, we needed bags to like drop off the water. And like, it was so crazy because we'd go to the public housing and it's like, we're rationing water for people. And people are like, oh, are you the government? And we're like, no, we're your neighbors. We're just 26 year old kids that live around here. And like, no, we're not the government. Wow. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, they're like, what do you mean we have no water? And we're like, they didn't tell you? And they're like, no, no one told us. And then it was like, okay, so now we're doing that. There's, you know, little kids having to like, like literally there'd be old people. They'd be like, all right, kids, like start grabbing water. And it's like six year olds, you know, having to carry cases of water up. 20 flights of steps because you know they don't have fucking elevators you know like because their buildings are so run down so now you got little kids that have to bring the supplies of water and it's like well you can't take that much because we have to give it to these people and like how do you tell people no you can't take that much water like i understand you have a family of like seven people in this one apartment but like i'm sorry we can't give you that water like unfortunately we need to ration it for the rest of the people Mm -hmm. like you know, it's such a weird position to be in, yeah. especially as, like, a white person. Yeah. Where you're, like, dictating. Like, dude, it's such a weird feeling. And then, like, you know, from there, it turned to the city turned off their gas. They had no gas for six months at one point. 
and it was without notice and it's like how do you do that to people these are people these are fucking human beings (laughs) that you're just gonna cut their resources off to live without even telling them because they don't meet your standard of what you know human rights deserve they've because we're conditioned to dehumanize people it's so gross like it's such a like i was honestly really fucked up after the water incident like i was very very depressed because i was just like this is the reality and nobody knows nobody like literally people were like like my family that lives in the neighborhood were just like really didn't hear anything about that and i'm like of course you didn't it'll never make the news like nothing. yeah no one's yeah and that was the crazy thing we're like we were on the news all the time like local news channels were always like oh like local girl does like mutual aid work blah 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 this is what they're doing like this is how you can donate and it's like yeah that's wonderful oh well that, that but we're still not getting anywhere you know like we were on the news so many times because we we're like hey the people in NYCHA have no gas it is december it is january it is february now it's horrible like super bowl sunday it's amazing one of the restaurants over here uh, a really big barbecue house they donated meals every week to people hundreds of meals and it was like we would go we would pick up all the meals and we'd have to distribute them to all the houses all the apartments and like such a weird feeling to be a white person like having to sit here and distribute meals to people and it's like i'm just the person that lives two minutes away from you and no one has to do this for me you know and it's just so fucked up and like it really like i had to stop doing it unfortunately for a while because it was like fucking with my like my mind so much because i was just like this is just so fucked up and it was like also the same times of the protest so it was like you know, they did like a protest during like through Red Hook for Black Lives Matter. And there's people in their apartments, you know, that are supporting it from their apartments, like yelling down to the street with their hands through like bars on their windows. And I'm like, you live in a prison that you pay for. I don't have bars on my windows. Like I don't live on the first floor either. And I have bars, I don't have bars on my windows. But you have bars on your windows. Like, that's so disgusting. Like, New York City is so disgusting. And, like, the way they treat people in public housing, it's like, that could very easily be you. I think it happens anywhere. It happens everywhere. Jersey's like that, too. It's so gross. Like, it's just, like, it's just so gross. Like... And it's like there you can't escape it because, like this is why like this class is so important, and I wish more people took it because it's like the history of oppression. The mm-hmm. class is called diversity and oppression, but it's like the history of how we began oppressing people, and it's just like nobody knows. Right? Like, right. I, like when the whole Black Lives Matter thing was happening, like, my mom was like, you don't understand. When I grew up, we never saw anybody that wasn't white. Right. Like, when you saw an Asian person, it was an insane experience because you never saw one before, right? Like, I don't know what that's like. No. That's crazy. But, like, you know, we're reading about, like, I don't know, just major events that did not, like, segregation... Like, obviously things we know, right? Right. Okay, like, segregation did not happen that long ago. Women's suffrage did not happen. Like, the end of that did not happen. Yeah. Like, okay. But, like... It all... We have to go back to the beginning Mm -hmm. to see why things happened. But people don't want to take the time to do that. Like, so we have all these weird biases and, like, unless people are educated in how things mm-hmm. happen, nothing they will change. And they don't want to change it. But not, because, and also, especially as white people, like, the this whole article I was just reading, it's like, 
we've never been considered a race. Like, we don't right. even consider ourselves conversations about race. Like, I'm not even, I'm just white. Because this is normal. White is normal. That's what we're taught, right? So it's like, and it's like oh, why? Because uh, to oppress people. No, I know. Like, <laughs> right. The but, like, why? you're not going to question that. You know what I mean? Like, people don't question that. Like, why and, do you think you're normal? And yeah. other people aren't. And because it, but it's comfortable. It's yeah, it's people it's, don't want to be challenged and it's like you know perfect example it's like people don't want to accept the fact that it's like why were the police created? Do you know why the police were created? To catch slaves. To catch slaves and then also because oh and to, to protect s- property? Protect property to stop people from unionizing. And oh yeah, oh, stopping yeah. protests, and it's like those are three things that you're not like. Well, that's weird. But people don't want that. No, of course people not. don't want you to protest. They don't. Yeah, they don't want you. Like, it's so crazy to me that people would rather accept it, and they're like, "This is how it's supposed to be." Because they're protected. Because yeah. they are separate. So like. We have this weird... I know I'm preaching to the choir, but the way the book or the article was worded, I was like, it reintroduced this topic to me because it is important. Mm-hmm. And people really do need to... Not you. Other people. <laughs> but we all could, like... Even coming back to it a second time, I was like, wow, I still got a lot to learn. Exactly. Yeah, we all do. Like, you know, that's the beauty of... Um being human is that we're never supposed to stop growing but then the system is made so there's no time and like like me and christian were really involved in the city council Mm -hmm. to like you know bring change or whatever and be involved you should be involved in your community right so like We would go to the meetings and, like, we would do shit. And I was like, Ma, you should come. This is when we were living in Bloomfield. I was like, go to the meetings. They're on Zoom. Like, you don't even have to physically go there. They're at 7 o'clock at night. She was like, listen to me. I'm 55 years old. I work all day. I come home. I have to cook and clean and take care of your 15-year-old sister and do that. She's like, I don't have time. And I'm like... That's what they want. (laughs) That's the point though yeah but i understand right i'm like no i don't blame you i'm I'm tired too falling into the pattern which is you know and that was the beautiful thing about you know like i don't want to say that that there was anything beautiful about the protest because obviously they started for horrific reasons um (laughs) but the beautiful thing about it was the timing of it was so unique and it's like where everyone had time and we all could go out you know what you mean yeah and it's like that'll never happen again and it's crazy that it's like how didn't that wake more people up that it's like this is what we're supposed to be doing we were supposed to be unified you know and it's sad when it's like because you know i'm definitely guilty of it maybe maybe these aren't the ways do you know what i mean like Because protesting is scary. Protesting is super... I remember, like, the very first night of the protest, and we were there, and I remember being, like, some shit's... Go- like every it's terrifying. Every single night that we went out, it was... You have to be prepared that something very bad very well might happen to me tonight. And it was the reality of it. And it was like, it's not crazy to think, you know, like, and like, there were times where we'd be in situations where it's like, hey, like, we know what's on the other side of this bridge. And it was like, you know, we'd be getting halfway across the Brooklyn Bridge at times. And it'd be like, word got out that the cops are waiting on the other side of Manhattan. And once you get over, it's a bloodbath. And it was like, we can either continue across or, you know, we got to think for ourselves, unfortunately. Like, we have a pet at home. Right. It's also COVID. 
you know, you're getting thrown into a jail cell with no mask, with everybody else in the fucking city. That is the hot spot for COVID. And we were like, I was like, Eric, like, you cannot risk getting COVID. With the Crohn's disease, you cannot risk it. And, like, it was also just, like, us getting arrested doesn't help anybody. That's two less bodies out in the streets tomorrow. So it's like, yeah, you can prove a point and you can march across this bridge, obviously, and get the shit knocked out of you and whatever else. Or we can just turn around tonight and we'll be back out here tomorrow first thing. And that's what we did every day. And it was like, you know, thankfully we were never in the situation, but like on every the first night, we didn't even know the protests were even happening yet. And then like our phones were going nuts to the news that it was like New York City's and shambles right now you know over protests and like we were driving home and eric's like let's just drive by barclays because that's where it was all happening which is right here it's mm-hmm. right down the street from us so he was like let's go down barclays and see what's up so and also eric's been photo- uh, photographing protests mm-hmm. for years now so he was like okay like i have my camera i'm just kind of curious and when we went and we saw like the extent of it we were like we've never seen anything like this before and, like, I remember the Black Lives Matter protests years ago, like, in 2015 when they started. And it was nothing to this magnitude at all. And it was, like, we were on, like, a side street. Like, I'll never forget. Like, we were on a side street. And, uh, what's it called? It, like, seemed like a movie set. Like, the street was so small. And there was just, like, a cop car. And then also the cop car just started lighting up on the inside. Because someone, like, filled the cop car up with, like... Um, bottle rockets and shit like that so like the windows like blew out Damn. but then all the rockets started like exploding and then just like ricocheting off all the buildings so then we're all just like Whoa. running because you're like what the fuck is happening right now like it happened so fast like it was so crazy like at first like you know everyone's laughing because it's like there's a wall of cops right here and then people are playing like fuck the police and stuff and like you know, everyone's laughing having a good time and whatever and then all of a sudden this happens. And then all of a sudden a brigade of cops just move in and they start fucking bodying people because they're like, who did it? And it's like, no one knows who the fuck did it. Like, we're all just standing here. So now everyone's running and then you're running and then you're like, oh shit, like two blocks away, the fucking fire station or the police station's on fire. And then it was like when the, like, the van was on fire, the police station, like they were taking it over and like we were right there. Damn. And it was like walking through a war zone. Yeah. Like just people like, on the streets pouring milk into each other's eyes and like everyone was tear gassed and we're just like yo what the fuck is happening right now like like what is happening in new york city and it was like that was only the beginning of it and it was like every night you would go out and you're like okay like you know we got medical stuff in our bags like prepared for if we see anyone that's injured and like you know like i'm not a medic i'm not trained at all but i have like all this shit in my bag because like if i see anyone that needs help like I'm going and like my family was so mad at me because they were like it's a pandemic like you know all the shit you're seeing on the news but all people are getting beaten and shit like that they were like you're gonna die out there and it's like that was what we were supposed to do you know we are able bodies we are supposed to be out there protecting people of color like that is our job and like you know it was even like if we didn't go out because like COVID numbers were so bad or like something like we didn't go out because we were tired because we've been out, you know, five days in a row now every day, every night. And we'd hear, like, helicopters and shit outside. And we're like, damn, like, it's fucked up. We're inside. Like, you know, we should mm-hmm. be out. Or when curfew happened, that was the big one. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never forget when the fucking curfew happened. And it was the first night. And it was us and Brian and Alex. And we went to Barclay Center. And they were like, curfew starts at 8 o'clock. If anyone's seen outside, like, you're getting arrested. And I'll never forget, like the crowd of people that was outside Barclay Center. And I remember just sitting there looking at my phone, like looking at the clock. Cause it was like, you know, how serious are they? You know, like what are they really gonna do to all these people? And I remember sitting there and like everyone just like sat down on the ground together. And it was like, like, okay, cool. Like we're all gonna go down together. Mm-hmm. And then Alex wanted to leave because she has a dog, which understandably so, like, you know, you have to be responsible at some point, unfortunately, like, right, there's no right. one else to take care of it. Yeah. And, like, same with Winston, like, no one else to take care of this animal. Who knows how long we'd be arrested for or whatever. 
Because they were also holding, like, that was when... I remember they were holding people... For however long they wanted. And I think it was also a weekend. And they took your things and they never gave them back. <laughs> yeah, like, they held you for as long as they wanted to. Yeah. So it was like, we can't risk, like, there being no one to take care of our, our babies. For, like, days. For days. Yeah. No one that would know. Because everyone in the building is gone. So... Alex was like, I want to leave. And Eric was like, I want you to get out of here because, like, something bad really might happen. And Brian really wanted to stay. And Eric, like, really didn't want to stay. He was like, I have a bad... It's amazing that Brian was there. Yeah, we all went. Like, we all went. And, like, um, they stayed. And then we were walking back to the car. You and Alex left? We were, like, the crowd was, like, here. And we were parked right here. Mm -hmm. So we were walking, and then all of a sudden, I, like, looked down the street, and I just saw, like, a massive line of just auxiliary vans coming, and it was just, like, a fucking army was rolling in. And I literally called Eric, and I was like, you guys have to get the, like, tell everyone around you, get the fuck out of there. Like They were kidnapping people. They were kidnapping, we knew people that were kidnapped from, like, the DSA and stuff, and, like, it was that's what it was to them was it was a fucking beatdown and like i remember or no we left specifically because we were standing there and there was no cops by us and then all of a sudden we turned around and like there was all swap cop like riot cops sneaking in right behind us not even like like ready to talk or anything they all just had their batons out immediately and it's like, why is your weapon out? No one's doing anything. People are doing a moment of silence right now. And we're all just sitting unified. Why That's is your baton they out? Do. They, they're there to hurt people. And they were just waiting for the clock to strike 8 yeah. o'clock. To just fucking beat down everybody. And like when we saw the vans rolling in, we were like, you guys have to get the fuck out of there. And like Brian like wouldn't leave. And Eric's like, dude, like it's not worth getting the shit knocked out of you. Like we will come back tomorrow and do the same thing again and like you know like what a crazy time it was so scary like because then they all started marching like when the curfew struck everyone started marching towards the bridge and that was the big thing so we were following them on the side streets and we were just like updating them being like yo like you know and also eric runs that account so we were like giving tips to people like on different like accounts and stuff like that like i was reaching out to like so many different instagram accounts being like hey just a heads up tell your people like they're mobilizing over here and that's what everyone was doing right was everyone was like you can't trust citizen which was the city app like at first like people were like using that as a tool for the protest where it was like cool everyone's meeting here but then the cops infiltrated citizen and citizen's supposed to be for the people by the people and then it became by the cops. So they were setting up fake, like, you get notifications for shit, and they would send out fake notifications. So people would show up places to protest, and it would be cops waiting for you. And they would arrest you immediately. Wow. And it was like, you can't trust citizen anymore. Wow. So now you have to communicate through Instagram accounts. But then, like, even Eric's Instagram account, the COVID one he runs, we noticed that the, uh, the DA of Brooklyn was watching his stories. And it was like, you're finding out locations of where things are, where people are meeting up, and that was what was happening. And it's like, it was so crazy that you couldn't trust anything. Right. You know, it was just, you had to tell people, like, my phone was always blowing up people, like, yo, like, where's, like, the protest, what time, what place, like, where? And, like, that's what we did for so long, where it was just, like, helping people navigate, like, where to go and, like, what to do, what to bring, what, like... You know, and it was like, that's my job as a white person. It's how do we get more bodies on the street to protect people of color that, like, this is what it is about. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was the main job. And it's like, it's not about getting arrested. It's not about getting clout. It's none of that shit. Like, you go, you protect people. Like, that's your job as a white person. Don't be on the front lines. Don't be taking pictures on the front lines. Don't be taking pictures of people's faces. You are a shield. My. Like, I was always prepared to get the shit right. I was like, if I see anything happening to anyone around me, I'm fully prepared mentally to jump in. Because that is my my duty. Right. You know? 
And it's just so crazy. Like, that unity is gone. People have forgotten about mm-hmm. it. And it's like, I feel bad because I'm like, damn, like, there's so many protests still happening every day. You know, we used to go to protest for, like, people in Syria. And, like, you know, like, when when I was in school over in, like, Union Square and, like, there'd always be, like, protests for, like, women in Guatemala. And it's like, there's 20 people there. But that's their protest. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to it. You know, they need more people. Like, of course I'm going to go to it. And it's like, I wish I had more time now. And I feel so guilty because we used to go to protests like that all the time where it's like, there's 10 people here, but this is still a protest. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if there's right. a thousand, if there's 10 people. Right. These people need to be heard. Right. And it's just like, I miss that. I miss that New York. And like, that, it's all gone. Everything was so performative for Instagram. And like, it's such a bummer. I think it also is that we had time. We had time. And we'll never have like such a rare moment in history where the entire world was unified by one single event because we all had time. You know, when France was protesting. (laughs) Right. Literally the entire world. The entire world was protesting with us. Yeah. And it's like, also it's like, that was my biggest point was like, yo, when the entire world is also protesting with us and standing with us, doesn't that make you want to reevaluate if you're standing on the correct side of history or not? Like, people, you know what my dad said? Do it in a way that doesn't scare people. Yeah. So when we we would go and visit them, we would literally be screaming at each other because me and Christian yeah. and Rachel would be like, "Fuck you. Why can't you see what's happening?" And my mom would be screaming back some bullshit. And my dad literally looked at me and he was like, because you're scaring people. And I was like pissed at first, but I was like, I understand what you're saying. He was like, I, he said to me, he was like, I know what you guys are saying. You're doing it in a way that's scaring people. You want to make a difference? Don't scare people. And I was like, like, and this was a man who protested against reagan back in the day like do you know what i'm saying like so he knows like he knows he's like i'm telling you it's not gonna work because you're scaring people people see protesters and they're scared of them they whether you're right or not they're gonna be scared of what you're physically doing do you know what i'm saying a hundred percent and like especially like at the magnitude that it was where it was like you know you had ten thousand protesters on the streets and it's like, then you got the dumbasses that are smashing banks and they're doing all this shit. And it's like, yeah, people are fucking scared. Like, but also, what do you do if you don't do? So like, my my favorite thing is my favorite author, and he it's called Nonviolent Anarchy, and he basically talked about like you can get the same message across. He was like, you know, everyone has to stop going to work. Yeah. Every everyone needs to stop contributing to the system, right? Because that's a peaceful way to say we're fucking done. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's the only way that it can change. It's, you know, I mean, for instance, perfect example is right now what's happening in the country that nobody wants to work because of unemployment right so what's happening businesses are being left no choice but to up their wages to get people to come to work and it's like well it shouldn't take this because you're offering livable wages that should have been offered all along but you're only offering them now because nobody wants to work right and it's like People don't realize that it's like, what you're doing is a protest. Right. You know, like, yeah. what you're doing... Peaceful is, protest. It's peaceful, it's quiet, and it's effective. Right. And it's like, I fully support... Um, I fully support it. Like, you know, fuck the system. That's your money. Yeah. You know, like, especially our generation, like, why the fuck am I paying for social security that I'm not going to see? You know, like... Oh, like, we're not getting We're not anything. getting... And, like, my mom's, like... They said the same thing to us in the 80s. 
And it's like, no, we're genuinely no, no, not getting it. Getting it. So why the fuck am I gonna pay for it? So fuck that. Yeah, I'm gonna milk unemployment. As should everybody else, because at the end of the day, that's my money. Yeah. Like, where's all the money that they pumped into the stock market when it crashed? We lost what was it? Was it billion or trillion? That's off? our money. Yeah, you guys just made up money that you say you don't have and that you can't do, but you made it up and you lost it within 15 minutes. All of it. I think it was like billions of dollars that they lost and it was just like, 